from VentureX Studios, it's JP, Kathy, and the crew. The crew. Woohoo! Um, have you ever had one of those days you woke up and you're like, what day of what day of the week is it? That was one of those mornings. Dr. Good, have you ever had one of those where you're like, wait, what day is it? What do I have today? Tired. <laughs> of course. Hello. I know. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, um, we're very excited to have you with us today. We've got um, a good show today. Not like we think any of our shows are ever bad or like we don't say, hey, great show today. Um, anyways, we've always got such great guests. Um, we've got uh, Ask Dr. Good or Dr. Good of the Ask Dr. Be Good show. And I just... Um, uh, she and I were uh, pre-producing her show for Sunday yesterday, and I, just some of, just some of the things and the way people are thinking out there, it, it just it baffles my mind when it comes to education, you know. And and we'll be talking about that. I just think, you know, it, our, our kids are our best resource. You know, if you want to say, oh, what's the best natural resource of America? Well, it's our children, it's our kids, it's that next generation. They give us hope. Their brains are way smarter than we'll ever be. Like Louis Armstrong says in his song, What a Wonderful World. I see babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll know much more than I ever know. I'll ever know. And that's the way it should be. But boy, howdy. Some of the, some of the uh, stories Dr. Good's got to report on make you shake your head, scratch your head, and go, hmm. Um, then we've got uh, Jeremiah, who's going to be coming in, who is a sales manager up here at VentureX, and he has a passion for raising money for breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. He's going to be talking about um, upcoming fundraising efforts, and then I think next week we've got two other ladies who are, one's participating on an out-of-state walk, um, and then another's participating, well, Faye, who y'all have met before, well, and Brandy, y'all have met her before, but Faye is um, going to be talking about a local brand, breast cancer um, awareness walk. Um, just a very important topic. It's near and dear to most people. I know my mom's a breast cancer survivor. My stepmom's a breast cancer survivor. I've got a girlfriend who's who is about to be a breast cancer survivor. She's got one more round of chemo to go. Um, you know, big topic. So that'll be the second half of the show. But um, Dr. Good, welcome. And um, wow, let's let's jump in. To some of the things that you'll be talking about on Sunday and some things that really have me as just an ordinary old human being in America perplexed. Let's let's talk about so, some of these expectations. So, you know, the pandemic has done a lot to have states and, you know, the education department, the federal education department, state education department sort of scratch their heads and say, what can we learn from this pandemic? How can we reinvent public education? And we've talked a little bit about that right. and about some of the, the things that we're seeing. But every once in a while, something catches my eye. And so the state of Oregon has decided that they will, uh, for right now, suspend the essential skills proficiency requirement that is necessary to graduate. And so let me, I thought you might be interested to know what those skills are. Yes. To read and comprehend a variety of texts write clearly and accurately, apply math in a variety of settings, listen actively and speak clearly and coherently, think critically and analytically, use technology to learn, live, and work, demonstrate civic and community engagement, demonstrate global literacy, and demonstrate personal management and teamwork skills. So these were essential skills that kids in Oregon needed to 
show proficiency in to graduate. And that has been suspended for the time being until about 2024, by the way, 2024, 24, 25. And, and, okay, so that's, you know, in education years, 2024, 2025, that's a long, long way away. First of all, why suspend them, period? But then well, why extend so it that is, long? I mean, if, if worst case scenario, my gosh, just do it for a school year and just jack up part of the kids. <laughs> so what they're saying is that the pandemic has not treated minorities and kids from poverty well, and they are not doing well on tests. And so because of that, we should suspend the test and sort of reassess how we can better assess uh, all our, of our kids, especially kids from um, poverty, second language kids, um, the, the problem I have with an article like this or with the states doing, well, not the article, but the information, is that Oregon has had, it has one of the lowest graduation rates. It has an, currently it's 82%. I read an article yesterday, a different article that talked about it's up from 52%. Wait, um, wait, eight. So only eighty-two percent of their kids are graduating. Okay, let's say yeah. in Texas. Uh, do you know the average statistic for graduation um, in Texas? We're much higher. We're in the nineties. I knew. I, I figured we were in the nineties. So you've got eighty-two percent. They're up from fifty-two percent. So it sim- seems like this is a system that was broken before the pandemic. You know what? What's frustrating to me, and I'm sure you see this because you deal with so many more school districts than I do, um, and you know just schools in general, type different types of schools. Um, I I see um, some folks trying to say, oh, well, because of the pandemic, we've had this, this, and this. But then if you go back to test scores or if you go back to, you know, truancy, graduation percentages, all this kind of stuff, you can see some of these states were already having issues beforehand. It's just the pandemic has put You're such exactly a spotlight right. on it. You can't, you can't hide. Remember how we were horrified when I read the, the fact that Last year, 30% of kids didn't pass reading and 40% didn't pass math. Well, in Oregon, 60% regularly don't pass reading. Wow. So they're already starting low. Right. And by, by trying to, uh, and I, I don't, I'm afraid to use the words that are coming in my head, to, it is dumbing down the curriculum, that's for sure. Right. And is that the right approach to use with second language kids, kids from poverty, minority kids? No, I don't think so. Exactly, exactly. I don't think so, right? Um, feeling sorry, is that what this is? We're feeling sorry for those kids? Well, that's not going to help them when it comes time for a job after they graduate and they can't do some of those essential skills, especially like analyzing, and, you know, uh, critically thinking. And being able to read well doing math, I don't think as you you air quoted up, yeah, it's, um, you know, now I don't think schools do a good enough job explaining how math is used in the everyday world and in our everyday lives, but you need to use math and you use it subconsciously a lot of times when you're shopping, uh, you're budgeting, you know, you're looking at calories, all of that, that's all math. Right. And so, yep. um, you know, putting, wanting to put a new rug in your house and you need to know how many square feet you need and how big is your room and the area of your room and, and all of that. And so um, the fact that they're assessing for the next two, three years uh, their essential skills that they want the kids to graduate with while having the lowest, one of the lowest graduation rates in the country doesn't bode well for kids' futures in Oregon. And, oh, by the way, California... 
Virginia, they're all uh, looking at this as well. Right. And Washington State probably will go down that road. They tend to follow that type of um mindset yeah that this that that uh that mindset i you know i i just at some point and you and i have talked about this how um and and i know just like in politics just like in so many things the pendulum swings um education is one of those things and and we've seen it here even in the state of texas as you and i have paid very close attention over the last few decades to legislation and so you have it where even back when I first entered um, as a new teacher back in the 90s, um, the, oh, and I'm trying to, just lost the thought of the, oh, the classes like cosmetology class and um, the trade classes, vocational. Thank you very much. Yes, have not had enough tea this morning. The vocational um, classes um, were, uh, were a big thing. And I know there was, a, yeah. I mean, a number of kids would graduate. I, and I was at Plano East Senior High, and a number of kids would graduate, um, and they would already have um, basic, you know, license, tech licenses or whatever they were called to do things to work on cars to where the second they walked across the stage, boy, howdy, they walked into, you know, uh, Toyota, Jaguar place, wherever, not, you know, not big corporate Toyota, it wasn't there yet. But you know what I'm saying, any any given car sure. place, and they've got a basic entry-level job, they're already making more cash than they would if they were flipping burgers at McDonald's. Um, sure. You know, lots of ladies graduated, walked across the stage with a cosmetology license. Um, and, you know, they went in and they were nail techs, hair techs, uh, makeup artists, the second they walked across the stage. So there were all, all of the, and tons of different vocational programs, um, ag, all these different things. And then all of a sudden, boy, by the time, uh, you know, within 10 years, you were getting rid of all of those programs. Everybody was going to be college ready. Doggone it. We're all going to college. We're all getting our master's. We're all working towards our PhD. And so then all of a sudden you had all of these tests and all of these different things. Well, then that, we watched that come down a little bit over the years as we realize yeah. hey and especially nowadays with college so crazy expensive um a lot of people are like i don't want to go graduate with a business degree only to have debt that follows me until i'm 35 uh, you know so there's lots of different things going on and i so well, i understand maybe don't have the high test expectations but don't doctor good don't you have to at least have the basic reading skills the basic math skills even to function in a minimum wage job. Well, uh, and of course that's a, a no-brainer, yes. But think of it's beyond that. If we have no test in a school district, right. how do we know how our teachers are doing instructionally? You don't. I, I mean, and that's another thing. I Now, granted, I was in special education, so my... My test looked a lot different than your, you know, world history teacher's test. But it, I, I was able to check myself. And when I was a special ed lead teacher, I was able to look at overall testing scores, overall goals met different. There's always, and, and with some of our kids, it wasn't testing. It was, it was through an IEP. It was specific goals. Life, you have to have, sure. yeah, like life's, but you have to, you have to have some have kind something. of measurement. And as a teacher, right, I, I would mean, have felt lost thinking, well, sure, they seem like they know this, that, or the other. How do you really know? So you've heard superintendents, you've heard me say, right. we're not asking to do away with a STAR test. We're asking for it not to be used in such a punitive way to yes. close yes. schools and so forth. That's, you know, we want that data. We want to know how our kids are doing overall. And any district wants to know how, you know, the compilation of all their, its schools are doing in math and reading, so studies and science. 
I mean, those are data points that are needed. And so by doing away with your assessments, especially with graduation, oh, yeah. uh, are we really preparing these kids for life beyond school? Yeah. And they won't know that for a while. And that, um, you know, that, that, that adds chaos where there's, there's already been chaos because of the pandemic. The teachers have yes. been, um, you know, trying to figure it out. The districts have been trying to figure it out. The kids and the parents are trying to figure it out. And then not knowing if you have the right life skills to you know, make a career, to gain enough money to pay bills, I, that just seems short-sighted. Yeah, it really does. And, and, and you talk about, okay, you're like, okay, well, once they're in the workforce, then we'll know if they're meeting expectations. First of all, no, you really won't ever know because, you know, you don't, while some school districts do track to see if, you know, how many kids graduate from college, you graduate from their ISD and whatnot. I, I get that, but you really, you're not going to know. And here's the thing. So we're not going to know until it's, until it's too late that, oh, wow, we've got a 30-year-old who is, no matter how hard they work, no matter if they've got an unbelievable work ethic, they're at the job 30 minutes early, they stay two hours late, they work on shifts that other people won't pick up, but they don't have those basic reading skills, they don't have those basic math skills, they don't have those basic problem-solving skills that you get from school, that you get when you're in education. So they're stuck. Texas, Texas, you know, that has a lot to change and get better at, but we do do things like we track two years post high school graduation. Yes. We must know what, whether those kids went to military, vocational school, or college. And we've got to track them for two years. We remind them of that. I set it at the graduation. I tell parents, please keep your emails valid. We need that data because if a district shows that it either loses kids or most kids don't go into one of those big three, then we get dinged as yep. not preparing kids for college and career. So, I mean, Texas has a lot going on in a very positive way. And so, yes, we have things to change. But, um, gosh, when I when I hear of other states doing some of the things they do, I, I, I feel a little bit better about what's going on in Texas. Yeah, well, when we do in Texas, um, and then do we have some time? If you've got a few minutes, I'd like to talk about that article you sent this morning. I think it was um, uh, uh, out of it was New York Post, I believe. Um, so New York Times. New yeah, New York Times. Times mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, New York Times. Um, you know, again, we've re- I think now more than ever with the pandemic, a light has been shown on education, where the shortfalls are for the kids where our areas of strength are, because we know there have been a lot of schools, well, like the school, you know, Legacy, which used to be the superintendent for, you guys stepped up. Those kids had, everybody had a hot spot. Everybody had a hot meal. Everybody had um, books. Everybody had materials. Everybody had a laptop, even if y'all had to go in hazmat suits and deliver them at the beginning of the pandemic. So some, again, some areas we showed were their real strengths, but then we also showed where we need work. Um, let's let's talk about this article that you sent to JP and I today. So it's uh, the newest social progress index, and it's done by professors out of Harvard, and they do it every ten years. And so ten years ago, we were number nineteen. We have slipped to number twenty-eight, and a lot of that has to do with the fact. Uh, and, and by the way, um, the Brazil and Hungary were also worse off than uh, um, than other countries, and and yet 
not compared to us. We were still, I mean, here we have the greatest, wealthiest, busiest country in the world, and yet we're slipping in point. Um, it, it, they said it's, it's like a developing country. The, the index, inspired by research of Nobel-winning economists, collects 50 metrics of well-being, nutrition, safety, freedom, the environment, health, education, and more, to measure quality of life. Norway comes out on top in the 2020 edition, followed by Denmark, Finland, and New Zealand. South Sudan is at the bottom with Chad, Central African Republic, and, and Tria just behind. The United States, despite its immense wealth, military power, cultural influence, ranks 28, slipping from 19th in 2011, and it puts the United States significantly uh, behind poor countries like Estonia, the Czech Republic, Cyprus, and Greece. And so we're no longer the country we like to think we are. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it, here's good, good um, evidence. The United States ranks number one in the world in the quality of universities, but not number 91 in access to basic education. The U.S. leads the world in medical technology, yet we're number 97 in access to quality health care. <clears throat> so we have these, you know, misalignments, right? Um, the Social Progress Index finds Americans have health statistics similar to those people in Chile, Jordan, and Albania, while kids in the United States get an education roughly on par with that of what children get in Uzbekistan and Mongolia. A majority of countries have lower homicide rates, and most other advanced countries have lower traffic fatality rates and better sanitation and internet access. So the United States still has high levels of early marriage. Most states still allow child marriages in some circumstances and lags in sharing political power equally among all citizens. And America ranks a shameful number 100 in discrimination against minorities. The data for the latest index predates COVID-19, which has a disproportionate impact on United States and seems likely to exacerbate the slide into America's uh, in America's standing. So think about that. We we'd like to blame that on the pandemic, but this all was calculated before the pandemic. Right. And, and well, we and, and, and we and I would and I would love to see those statistics after the pandemic. Um, yeah, or, or since the pandemic, maybe I don't want to see those. Maybe I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to see them. Um, it's one of those things that again, we. We see ourselves, and I've seen this happen with school districts um, here in the country with some of the different ed tech, education technology companies I've worked for over the years. And you've you've got school districts that were at the top of their game, let's say in the 80s or 90s, maybe even in the early 2000s. But other schools have come around, other school districts. Um, you've got charter schools, private schools, home schools that are all competing at this point. And they really aren't at the top of their game anymore, where they used to be cutting edge on technology or whatever. They're just not anymore. And then I wonder, in an article like this, is America, are we starting to lower our expectations so much that we still think, oh, yeah, we're the best at that? Well, are we? And, and it makes me think of the other article you um, referred to out of Oregon. You know, so do you have... When you look at other school districts and you look at other states, in our case, if you're comparing state to state, state by state, or in other countries, other countries aren't lowering their reading and their basic math expectations yeah. for their students. You know, you yeah. hear other countries, th these kids are still, it's it's pedal to the metal and it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter what happens. You are studying, you are expected to get a certain, you know, a level of grades and all this kind of stuff. So is it one of those things that we put ourselves in a bubble and we don't 
realize, kind of like the, um, what is it, the emperor doesn't have any clothes kind of a story, that we think we're, oh, we're all that, and we're not. So, um, remember I talked about how we're number one in medical technology, but we're 91 in health, because we don't have health insurance, medical insurance, easily accessible to our poor. And it says here, one new study suggests that in the United States, symptoms of depression has risen threefold since the pandemic began, and poor mental health is associated with other risk factors for well-being. Now, you know, again, with it being difficult to get uh, help, insurance uh, being so expensive, we're not getting the help for those people that are showing, you know, more depression because of the pandemic. So that they're all, all of these things are threaded together. And if you have hard access for, you know, medical and mental health, then people don't get well quickly, right? Right, right. So, um, hmm, we need to, um, we need to really... Scary stuff. We, we do. You know, I know um, because of the pandemic, but then even even a little bit before that, because I've got a dear friend whose daughter's going to nursing school. We are we have set ourselves up to have a nursing shortage because we've cut down on how many how many nurses will take to be I was about to say patients, how many nurses will take to be students. And in some cases, it's been cut by 75 percent per class. We already had a shortage so you just think of all these different areas where we're really going to be hurting. We are going to be hurting even more so, my my best educated guess, within the next decade in education because you've got so many people who have left the field of education during the pandemic or who are not going into that field. Um, nursing's yeah. another one. And you look, you start getting a shortage, a serious, serious shortage on nursing and on teachers. We're in trouble in this country. We really are. I think I think that from an advocacy standpoint, we need to ask our legislators to start prioritizing based on future needs. And if our future needs are saying that we need more educators and more nurses, then that's where we need to put our time, energy, and, and yeah. funding, right? Yep. And so um, we need, many times, our legislators are a little short-sighted. They, you know, they are election to election, right? And so... Asking them to be looking towards the long game instead of the short game is, is needing to come from us, possibly. So, you know, forever as, the like us, meaning am, us as a society, or you on your show and you take this on nationwide. <laughs> all of the above, <laughs> right? It takes, it's going to take hearing from all of us that this is not acceptable, that we need to have our legislators prioritize so that we do get the sense that these things are being corrected. They're not going to be corrected overnight. All yeah. of these are long-term solutions of, of paying our teachers more, asking a little bit less of them. And that's, I don't mean dumbing down, but the paperwork and the oh, it's, constant it's testing. And, it's, yeah. and really, when here's what's different <clears throat> about American classrooms versus other countries. <clears throat> Excuse me, other countries will have, let's say we have Singapore, which is, you know, touted to be one of the best uh, educated countries in the world. And you have a group of same looking people and within their classrooms, they're possibly going to have some um, special ed, right? They will have disabilities in there. Um, They're not super poor over there. So they're not going to have a, you know, half or 
three quarters of the class being from low socioeconomic environment. Right. They may have a few kids from other cultures. When I lived there, there was a big Indian population, probably got bigger, uh, India, Indian. And so, but you just, and you just have what you have. I mean, the government says this is what we're going to do, and that's what people do. But here in the United States, we have a compilation of cultures and economic levels. We have special ed, dyslexia, speech therapy, and then we have teachers who are asked to teach 22 to 30 of these kids in one classroom and individualize their instruction to their needs based on economic levels and their um, disability and so forth and their giftedness. Let's not leave that out. Oh, yeah. We've got a shortage and we've got issues, you know, just like back in the day with special education, we had to put some laws in place to protect that population of kids. We're seeing that needing to happen in the gifted and talented world. Well, remember, you're you're reminding me of a phrase. Uh, I made sure that we taught Chinese at Legacy as part of the dual language program because we knew that China would feature in our future. And that this was 12 years ago when I wrote the, the charter, right? And, and it was already becoming on the horizon. But China has more gifted kids than we have students in the United States. Wow. China has more gifted students than we have students. Mm. And then you wonder, as because we are looking at a, a you know global uh, community down the down the world down the road now. I mean, I've got friends yeah. who literally they they'll get up in the middle of the night to do a Zoom because they've got a client or they've got somebody they're working with in another country. That's one of their regular clients, so they've got two or three days a week where they're in the, up at the middle of the night, they're putting you know, putting on clothes, taking off their pajamas, wiping the sleep out of their eyes because. We do global business, and if we're not aware of that, we're in trouble. And I, I know you're uh, you're getting ready to bust a move, and we look forward to your show Sunday from 8 to 9, and we'll see your smiling face. I have sent you and JP an article, and so this might be some, a future show topic for you or something we can discuss next week when you're on our show. Um, Virginia Teacher says, encouraging behaviors like, quote-unquote, following directions is white supremacy. Is white supremacy. I, I saw that. Wow. There's another article I'll, I'll have to find and send you that a, a couple of members of the crew had sent to me. And that was um, that there was a, a, I think it was at a college, they didn't let the kids on Saturday to the games wear red, white, and blue. They didn't do anything about 9-11 because they didn't want to trigger anybody. And I'm like, hey, dude, you're in America. You're you're over 18. If you get triggered by the red, white, and blue, it's time to move to Cuba or Venezuela or wherever. You pick your country. Well, we're, we're asking our legislators to reinvent the country and... and- they haven't shown that they're good at it yet. That, so, well, this is these, yeah. are, these are some scary times. Well, and, I, and you right. might you might want to go on our feed and look because a lot of people have talked about commented on vocational programs on you know education versus indoctrination. So you've got some great comments to work on for Sunday. Okay, I'll, right. I'll check it. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Have a great one. Bye bye. All right, uh, Dr. Rebecca Good of the Ask Dr. B Good Show. Um, Always fun to have her on. You know, we're talking about education. We're talking about the future. And again, like I said, our greatest resource here in, in America is our kids. And if if you're not focusing on those kids and doing right by them, and, and I'm sorry, there's a pandemic. I get it. But you can't let education slip. And from some of the statistics she told us this morning, you can't let it slip any further here in the country. We've got to be back up to being, gosh, it. 
I'd least like to think in the top 10. Don't want to be in the bottom 50. So anyways, um, we are very excited to have with us today um, Jeremiah Osmond, who is sales manager here at VentureX. I know you you're like JP and I, you wear like 9,000 hats. Yeah, that's so, okay. yes. so, so tell us about what you do here at VentureX. And then um, he's got pink on, which I don't, I think maybe once have I seen you without a pink shirt. I wear pink pretty much every day. That's what I thought. And he, and that's for a really very good reason. He, um, maybe it's because you look good in pink, but I think it also has to do with breast cancer awareness because right. that's something you're very passionate about. Um, let's tell, talk a little bit about what you do here at VentureX, and you've also got your own marketing company as well. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about that, and then let's go into breast cancer awareness, okay. where you got your passion for that, and and um, what, you're, what you're asking the crew to do to help out. Oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, actually. Good times. Oh, I go this way. <laughs> No, I just, I get everything confused, you know. Uh, first thing first, uh, if we're here at Venture X in Frisco, um, I'm responsible to actually make this place uh, filled up, add all the energy, add all the life, make sure that we have a fun, filled, inter- uh, powerful community. Yeah. Simply, that's it. Yeah. I have some people already made comments about I'm trying to create an incubator here in, the, in our facility, which is true. So I'm trying to find all the hustlers, all the uh, people who actually want to actually work, who actually want to grow, who actually want to dominate and make money and show up here. There you go. Um, Also in the process right now of revamping the entire space. So next month, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some major construction going on around here. Is is that dictated by... I think I know the answer to this, but is it because of the pandemic that you've got so many more folks wanting to come and work somewhere because maybe they've been stuck working from home and they want to be around actual people? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's just whenever this location opened up, it was originally, it was the second co-working space in Frisco, which a lot of people is not aware of. Right. But due to the fact that market changes with the pandemic and everything else, a lot of people want to be more, I think, isolated than not. So a lot of people are looking for singles, doubles, and triples office spaces. Interesting. And that's also why our dedicated desk has actually have grown significantly since I've been involved with everything else because people want their own private space, but yet they don't want to be completely isolated away from the world to where, Yeah. I mean, when you talk about kids at home, wife bothering you, husband bothering you, doing the laundry, dog barking while you're on a zoom call with somebody who's writing your check. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) It it makes it a little challenging for people to be productive. I mean, with this going to be like a global world, like you state, um, we got to be able to be more accustomed to our audience. Hence why everything we do here, we give people 24 hour access to our facility who have a desk so they can come in and work. Like you started stated one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't really care when they show up as long as they treat the space with respect. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Well, and, you know, it's it's interesting because, um, and, and my husband included, um, you know, you've got folks who are working from home now because of the pandemic who they really, they enjoyed going somewhere every morning, going to an office. Right. Um, kind of, you know, you kind of get out of your head space. Um, I work part part-time from home, but I'm up here enough and I'm at clients' offices enough to where I feel like, I have an outlet. I think if I was stuck working from home, some people dig it. I think I would drive myself crazy. Well, I was working out of home until I found the space because. Oh, okay. So the way I got brought into Venture X was um, I was actually moved from Fort Worth right. to this side of town right. due to cheerleading. Yeah. 
right there. So obviously um, you have children. Yes. Jeremiah is not a professional cheerleader himself. <laughs> I try, but I, I will pour him in. So this is pours. kids. Yes. So do you have, how many? How many kids? Do you I got have? two. I got oh, two. okay. Oh, oh, they're darling. Yeah, they're oh, high maintenance. Oh, that's a good dad. He's got their picture on his phone case. I love that. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so the world to cheer. Right. Yep. So I'm a major cheer dad. I'm a big, uh, big advocate for women overall. Yep. So, but when I moved over here, when uh, my daughter wanted to try out for a team called Kitty Cats with Cheer Athletics, yep. one of the uh, nation's top cheer gyms in the, in the nation. Yes. Well, when uh, she said, hey, I want to pl- uh, try out for her, I said, if you make it, we move. There my wife, go. My wife thought it was nuts. <laughs> so. Uh, cheer Athletics is a phenomenal program, though. Right, it phenomenal. Is. Yeah. It's I think it's probably is the top ranked program in the nation. Yeah. Uh, maybe outside of Top Gun and a few other ones. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great organization. I know when my daughter, I was a cheer coach for my daughter's team. And when she did cheer, that's that's where we did summer camp. They well, were just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I absolutely, just I absolutely adore the owners and everything yeah. else. They're amazing. But with that being said, she made it. I moved to the side of town. We sold our house, took nine months. When I moved over here, I was working out of the house, had my own private office, but yeah. it wasn't the same. I would work out Starbucks, I work out everything else, and I'll be just depressed because. You make calls, but you can't be productive. Yep. I found this place, started officing out of here. My sales doubled, not triple, because of the fact I found what I consider my dungeon mate. Oh, my, or my okay, mate. yeah. I make fun of everything. So it's like, if you can't have a, if you can't find a synergy partner, that's it, hence more like the dedicated desk model that we yep. offer here. Yep. That actually helped, helped me uh, grow my business more than not. Interesting. So j- being around somebody who had the same energy level right. as you, and you're a real high energy kind of guy, and so and so you're saying that that kind of just had almost like a symbiotic relationship that formed there to help you improve well, your sales. It helped me a lot because personally, when you have somebody, it's I am a little bit more higher maintenance, uh-huh. higher personality type. <laughs> Best way to phrase it. Um, I was looking for somebody I can work with that can actually challenge me on a daily basis. Yep. So I found a gentleman, his name is George Martinez. He does credit card processing and uh, payroll, right. payroll services. And we just started picking on each other, each, other yeah. each and every day. I won't use some of the terminology that we use because <laughs> when you talk about guys banter, it can be a little It can be rough, rough around the edges. It can be rough. What, what is this you speak of, Jeremiah? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, but uh, inadvertently my business grew, his business grew. I we both it. grew together. Um, then when the VentureX stuff came about, I came on board to help them out. Yep. He went on board with something else because we both did it for somewhat for medical benefits because right. when you work for yourself, medical benefits are astronomical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'd like to bring you in just to have a discussion on that topic because we've got so many people who are small business owners who are members of the crew, and that's always something that people are talking about. Well, and the thing is, I know so many insurance brokers, but when you have a family of uh, me, my wife, my two yeah. kids, yep. it's not uncommon to pay 1400 to $2,400 a month. And that's unreal. It's ridiculous. It's like another oh mortgage gosh. payment. Uh, yeah, it is. And if you do well, you're penalized. Yeah. And if you don't yep. do well, you get subsidized. Yeah. So it's kind of no win, you know, and you're and you're still paying out of pocket out the wazoo. But yeah. it's to me, it's just a matter of a choice. Yeah. I I gotta produce. Yeah. So therefore, I produce. But it's everybody has their own own hang up when it comes to the healthcare system. Yeah. I personally don't. I personally believe there's a reason for everything. Yeah. 
I'm not going to complain about it. I'm yeah. blessed. So it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But well, so you, okay. Your company, let's say your, your actual company that you own is a marketing company. Correct. So what kind of marketing do you do? I specialize in more the, in uh, digital marketing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like more search engine optimization. We do okay. websites, we do social media, we do a variety of other things. So y'all help pe- help people push their, their name up for that SEO optimization. We work with them and get on first page of Google. Love it. Love it. Very good. But my background is since I sold everything from their son, from different forms of podcasts to cable to billboards to everything in between, I'm a uh, sales junkie. Yeah. So I tell all my clients that I don't really care what they buy as long as they, we move the brand needle forward. Yeah. There's no magic formula for any one business, unfortunately. Yeah. I uh, wish there was. I wish every single business owner knew SEO because I'd be rich. Yeah. But yeah. Honestly, behind it is like some people don't, they just need a site. Some people just need some social media. Some right. people just need some direct mail. Yeah, exactly. And they don't need everything, particularly when we're talking about our small businesses. And it kind of depends on, um, you know, and I look this look at this through having been a political consultant, and that is um, it, some people need, you know, it, it depends on what you're selling and what message you're trying to get out. Direct mail still works great yeah, for does. some folks. And, you know, it's interesting Um I've noticed over the years since I've been inundated with ads on social media, and I dra- I was very late to the social media game. Help companies with it, but personally myself was very very late to the game. I'll get so inundated with ads and everything that now what stands out to me is when something comes through the mail. And it's funny. And a few years ago, I used to toss my direct yep. mail out. Now I actually go through it. Isn't it's, that interesting? How the you know it's kind of the pendulum swings on that. Well, if you think about everything, everything repeats. Yep. It does. I mean, it does. In history, everything repeats. Yep. So even though our society may be crazy today, in 10 years, it'll be completely different again. So <laughs> yeah, we, we are. We do seem a little crazy right now, and I hope we hope, <laughs> hope the pendulum's swinging the other way on that, Jeremiah. <laughs> well, I mean, we can. If we always uh, do what I preach, which is what I call iron shopping's iron. The yep. more we improve ourselves, better we improve our family, Absolutely. ourselves, our business, and overall community. Everything take care of itself. Yeah, our friends, our family, everybody, everybody. But, well, and, and let's talk about with you taking care of, um, and, and we do want to take care of those in need. And um, so you have sa- you've stated, especially with having two girls, that you are um, a, a real advocate for women and for right. women's issues. Breast cancer. We've got we know October is breast yeah, cancer I mean, awareness I, we're, month. I'm gonna be doing so a lot of fundraising events for that. Let's let's talk about that. So how did you get into that? Do you have a family member who was a breast cancer survivor or well, who I, battled breast cancer? I work with more women than men. Okay, I, I know that's probably hard to believe. Okay, in, in so in your marketing business, <laughs> you've got more women clients. Probably uh, just in general. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I've been truly blessed with knowing lots and lots of people in the time. Uh, yeah, I've known a lot of people that have had breast cancer. A lot of people who have. Yeah battle with different extremities. But to me, the whole thing is like majority <clears throat> of people in my family, most of them died from cancer. One died from colon, mm. one died from uh, brain, another one died from oh, gee, lung, another one died from something else. Is this on like both your maternal and paternal no, side of your family? More my father's side. We're, okay. Realistically, we're all gonna die from something eventually yeah. if we live long enough. Yep. To me, cancer is cancer. And since I do believe more in helping women than not, I mean, yeah. I got two daughters, I got a wife, I even got a female dog. Yeah. Um, I'm out You're outnumbered. In every You're semester. that Fox News show. You're outnumbered. Like if you came to my event last night, I had probably about uh, eight different women I was working with. Yeah. I came to my event last night. Yeah. And it's like in the office, it was all all women except for me, one other guy. Yeah, there you go. So I'm just like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but recently in the last three years i've actually 
known two women that had gone through bisectomies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, actually, probably more than that. Uh, at least two cancer survivors, yeah. one or two that have already perished. Mm. But the whole thing how, is. How old were the ones that perished? Younger? Young. Yeah, one young, one older. God, that's. And that's one of the things you think you can't get breast cancer when you're young. Not oh, the case. That's, that's, that's I know so young, false. I know a young lady that just got diagnosed with uh, double uh, uh, in both, uh, both, both breasts. Both breasts, yeah. It shows she's going to have bisectomy and she's not even 40 yet. Mm, yeah, that's that's tough. I've, I've got a friend who just um, just hit her 50s. Um, she's got, in, oh, in the next five or so days, she's got one more round of chemo right. and then, then she will be on the breast cancer survivor side. But um, it, it's tough. It's just tough. And, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, my mom is a breast cancer survivor. Oh, my goodness, of like almost 35 years. Good Lord. Um, yeah, amazing. yeah, a long, t- long time. Um, and then my um, stepmom is a breast cancer survivor of... Oh, Dad, help me out. I want, I want to say at least 20 years, I think. It, but it's one of those things that, you know, breast cancer didn't run in either family. You just, you never know. So you've, oh. got, you've got to get checked. You've got to do self-examinations. But then we've got, the money has to be there so we can innovate, so we can save more lives. So breast cancer surgery and reconstruction doesn't have to be as um, aggressive okay. and invasive so how how are you helping with raising money? Do you work so, for a specific organization? No, I try to help as many as I can. Okay, um, so you're equal opportunity on helping any of the organizations. Well, I out got there. into initially fundraising for American Cancer Society oh, because I okay. do remember pink. I oh, asked me to do it this year. Okay. Cancer, another reason why. Oh I'm my pink. goodness! I've got to hook you up with Chip Howe, a buddy of ours out of the Temple area. Um, his wife works for Governor Abbott. Um, he does he does um. Uh, men's calendar i wonder if they do people out of his out of the austin um out of the austin area they do um you know they wear pink bras and pink balloons in certain places and he shaves his head and wears pink wigs and they do a calendar too so i, I need to get i need oh, to that, get you hooked up with that'd them be, that'd be it's quite right oh it's right you've got a good sense of humor it's right up your so road <laughs> I, would, I would actually do that in a heartbeat uh, no i mean the whole thing is uh, i try to I've been doing American Cancer Society for a couple of years. Right. Uh, this year, I'm actually trying to expand it out to where we're doing wigs for cancer. Perfect. Uh, I'm trying to help the National Breast Cancer Association. There's a lot of organizations yeah. I've heard about that needs each, uh, just need exposure. Yep. And since I am a little more social than most, I don't yeah. mind actually advertising a variety of different brand nonprofits. Hence, over the last year or so with my networking community, I've actually instituted where we do nonprofit fundraising like every other month for various different nonprofits to oh, try to get the word out. Oh, very good. Oh, I like that, especially now during the pandemic because there are so many nonprofits in need. Oh, my God. I did not realize it's how crazy. many nonprofits there are in Dallas alone. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, there's more nonprofits that, that people don't realize that there's franchises. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal. Ridiculous. Well, and here's the thing, Jeremiah, there's that great of a need. And even more so with the pandemic, there's more of a need than there ever has been before. But the issue that I have with nonprofits is not the fact that their causes aren't just. The problem I have is they don't treat it like a business. And just like with I, the th- I think it business. depends on who your um, who your board is, and that's why it's so important when you're. Um, I I just became part of a new nonprofit that we're getting ready to start, and I'm on the board. And so you've got very business minded people. You can be com- compassionate, but you've got to be business minded. You've got to make a business plan. You've got right. to have a fundraising plan. You've got, you, you know, you've got You'd to do all of these I mean, things. They don't do that. Yeah, well, because they get into it, I think, with good intentions, and then if you don't have the right leaders to help you bring it to fruition, then it can falter, and then oh. it's a shame because again, there are people who need those services desperately. Well, and that's why I call their, I call them the idea people. 
uh-huh. and they try to execute, but at, they they can go take an idea for very far. There was this uh, gentleman I met. He got all this free press on national TV. He got yeah. all these millions of dollars invested into him. And he's like, well, everything 100% go back to deal. They didn't take care of none of their staff. Yeah. He pushed so hard for three years, he got burned out, and the deal uh, crashed. And then he blamed everybody for people not caring about his nonprofit. That's not the case. He didn't treat it like a business. Yeah. But to me, all nonprofits have good intentions. Just a question of how do they execute. But the reason I push breast cancer on everything else is just I want to support women in, in their time of need. Yeah. I just came to realize uh, last week, I believe, there's so many nonprofits for women to remove their breasts, yeah. but there's none for re, uh, to reconstruct their breasts. The, 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 recons- the ratio of actually having the surgery, like a lumpectomy or a mastectomy or a bilateral mastectomy, those are there. But then the reconstruction, and especially, like you said, you, a friend of yours in her 30s. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're extremely young, well, yeah, you've got life to live. You want reconstruction. But, but you're right, there's, there's not no, very many. I don't know a single nonprofit. So interesting. At least not in this area. Well, and if, some, and if a, somebody does, please put it into one of our social media feeds because that, that there's a great need for that well, out and there. She's been looking for one because to there's Susan G. Komen, American Cancer Society, National Breast Cancer Association. They will all remove. Right. They will help pay for it and everything else, but they won't put it back. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't. I I didn't, was not aware of that. So that's at least what I've been uh, from my research. What trying I to found. focus on. And it's like. To me, it's like we want to support our women. We want to help our women grow. We want to make sure that women have confidence. And unfortunately, like, breast shouldn't mean everything to everybody. But the thing is, that's part of the woman's self identity. It it, it is. It's part, you know, it's, it's, it becomes like your hands or something. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, especially, you know, if you've, um, you know, if you've been a mom and you've breastfed and stuff, that's, that's an attachment that you still have to your kids all these years later kind of a thing. I mean, it's, it, it is an emotional thing. And it's also part of your identity. Absolutely. So, yeah. And if we care about our women. We need to make sure that our women are always whole, regardless of yeah. what the, what piece of them they are whole with. Yeah. It does not matter. We need to make sure that they feel that whole. So well, hence, hence why. And you also mentioned, um, wigs. Yep. That's another thing. Um, didn't find out until a, well, you know a they, friend recently I don't know researched. That does that. It's, it's, crazy do you know how expensive it is to get a good wig i had no idea um i mean just you know there are very good wigs out there that look just like regular hair um but i had no idea how expensive that is so that's that's another one of those areas um where we need to step up as a society well you know another one of those all kinds of cancer with that you know it's just not breast cancer all kinds of cancers but i don't know another nonprofit does does wigs yeah and if anybody from the crew does Please let Jeremiah and I know. I mean, we'd love to support a, an organization like that. I think, I think like it'd be that. fun to run a nonprofit fundraising for wigs or for yeah. reconstruction of surgery. I personally think women need to be stood out for more. I mean, I heard this morning there's a new law that got passed here in Texas about I won't get into politics this morning, but yeah, we've been just, kind of we've been kind of non-political this morning. It's shocking. <laughs> Come back on Friday when we have Congressman Van Taylor, and then we have Brad Namdar, who's a congressional candidate. So, <laughs> well, it's just my whole thing is like we just got to take care of our own. Yeah. And to me, it's funny. I was actually I was having a barbecue at my house a while back, and I was like, I was telling somebody, one of the guests, it's one of these boyfriends or spouses, I don't know what the guy was, yeah. to one of the women I'm friends with. I was telling, t- talking to her, like telling him, like, yeah, we must take care of our own. He left, and he told her, he's like, well, you know, ne- you might need to watch out with him because he said that, so he cared all about his family, not about you. Um, and she's like, what? What? And she just started laughing at him. She, he's like, what? She's like, you really don't understand what he preaches yet. And it was what's funny is, oh, he didn't understand that your own meant 
your friends as well. My no, what I mean by our own is anyone that's in your local community. Yeah. I mean, okay, if we, yeah. I mean, like to your me, neighbor, your fellow neighbor, kind no, of. No, and thing. that's how you should treat it. It's yeah. like since my community is so vast, regardless within a networking sphere, I believe we should look out for each other. I mean, like if somebody called me up, say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time making a sales call," I said, "Come on up to the office. I'll teach you." Yeah. You having this? I will help you. If I have time, I'm be willing to do anything I can. Will I give somebody money? Probably not, but I will help them give them my time. Yeah, and, which, and get, them, get them to a good organization that can help them out. We've got um, Fred, who's a member of the crew. Um, he said his wife works for um, for a cancer practice. She has a few patients that were in their 20s with breast cancer. Right. And he said his mom and his wife's mom are both breast cancer survivors. So, that's amazing. Yeah, that's just um, – and he wants to see what Jeremiah can do now. So I think I'll hook you up with Fred after the show. <laughs> Fred's great. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's um, – and I just – I know there's such a need for help in this particular area. Um, early detection is best. Well, but the thing is, most, most women, when they're younger, they don't think about it. Yeah. So Unless I, you've had I, – I think, gosh, I had my first mammogram. I, I don't even know that I was – was I even 30 yet? Because it scared me so much that I went to my doctor and they're like, really? really, you're really too young. But my mom had was going through breast cancer. and I thought, okay. And I wanted to get what they call a baseline. Right. So we, they would know before I had kids, what everything looked like. And then after and all that kind of stuff. So um, I want to say my first one was before it was either very late twenties or very early thirties. Cause I started having kids at 32. Um, and that's one of those things that, but it's not on your radar. When we're in our 20s, you know, you're in college, you're in your 20s having a good time. You're really, um, and you see it now more than ever, you think you're bulletproof. I, and you know, I mean, I, I been actually, there and done that. I actually think quite a things, things are quite entertaining right now. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to think about this. It's the same thing with early detection with breast cancer is what I will also say with low T, which is also is a precursor for men to get into cancer as well. Yep. But the thing is, oh, and Fred said correction. His mom and his mom's mom. Oh, okay. So yeah, so that's that's that generational kind of a oh, thing. I get yeah, it. yeah. But the uh, but the catch behind it is, it's just we got to figure out how to get people to talk more about it. So I mean, when people are around me, I'm probably more apt to talk about race, uh, religion, politics, yeah. money, sex, anything, weight, on with anybody because I believe we should have an intelligent conversation at any point in time. Because Sometimes people get so emotional and they can't have that conversation well, about those topics. And that's why we call them Care Bears. But <laughs> what, wait, what's that? No, okay, so, you're gonna have to explain. We need like a, a, a Jeremiah dictionary <laughs> on the show. So what is a Care Bear? <laughs> so I believe everybody needs love. Yeah, yeah. I believe everybody needs to be heard. Yeah. Now, sometimes do we agree with everybody's point of view? No. And so, the great thing about America, you don't have to. Oh, well, and that's yeah. and I completely agree. Yeah. But instead of being, instead of being, going beneath or trying to incite or cause problems, yeah. sometimes people just need additional attention, additional love. So, like, there's been people that I don't agree with at all. They were screaming from the rooftops, is how I phrase it, uh, about their views, and I'm like, okay, well, I get it, I respect it. Right. I let them voice their opinion. Sometimes I may do a little bit of rebuttal if they're not open to it, then I move on. Yeah. But instead of actually getting upset and trying to fight with them or argue over something that's somewhat pointless because that's if they truly believe what they would be true to be true yeah. then it must be true to them right and the, instead of that i just say well let's just let them be heard let them be let them point their deal show them a little bit of love yeah we can learn something from everybody yeah i mean it's not about who's right and who's wrong anymore yeah. it's about a matter of unity 
Yeah. Right now, Americans become so di- America becomes so divided so on so many topics. It's like the other day somebody was asking about something that is why would consider that's not socially norm. Yeah. But instead of getting angry about it, I was like, you know what? Tell me your views. And they tell me, I was like, actually, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I, I was like, good point. Okay. Learn something new. Yeah. Instead of me reacting, I yielded and actually yeah. listened to them, and then I, I learned something from it. Yep. But that's just the difference of we just got to be more patient in our society. Yeah. yeah. But that's why we need to also try to make sure with so many things, uh, with so many rights being trampled right now with yeah. – and, like, the stuff with uh, – I'm not going to bring it up – we need to take care of our women yeah. and we need yeah. to take care of the girls of our lives because with me having a wife, two daughters, yeah. and I know probably over a dozen plus women that have breast cancer, yeah. we need to make sure that everyone has at least had the opportunity to get tested yeah. and they need to have the opportunity to feel at whole because one out of eight women does get breast cancer yep. in, some form yeah. of compa- in some form of capacity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, yeah, and when you think, you know, oh, it's, it's well, my family doesn't run in my family. Doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. When we you're talking, you yeah, could, you could be the first. Exactly. Yeah. And with all the hormones and everything we put in our food nowadays, we Ooh. don't know what the you know, what the heck's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, we having people growing yeah. taller and taller, bigger and bigger than they did back in the twenties. Yeah. Reason is because all the hormones we put in our food, and then people's like, "Oh, that's just well, you've got, you've got two two daughters, um, you know, uh, girls starting their menstruation cycles way younger, younger. younger. Every generation is starting that younger, and again. Then again, it activates certain hormones that can set yes. you up for breast cancer, uterine right. cancer, ovarian cancer. We have to be aware of that. Well, and that's and we just really have to just be appreciative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, love on the ones you have while they're here, you know, and and take care of them. Um, will you come back and let us know when you've got specific fundraisers going well, on and advertise month, that on yes, the show? Okay. Uh, next month, I will be doing quite a few different fundraising events. Awesome. I want to do a. Uh, we're going to do a fundraising event here at Venture X on the second Tuesday next month. Oh, very good. I won't have everything going to be pinked out. I'm going to have pink margaritas here. I'm pink backdrops. <laughs> I pink, love it. Pink balloons, pink everything because. Love it. <laughs> uh, but anyone that comes through, I'm going to say ask everybody to bring at least 50 to $100 for donations yeah. just because why not? Yeah. And we're going to be providing free food, free beer. So I want everybody love to enjoy it. themselves. Love it. But on top of that, I like to do like some type of Halloween for breast cancer. I yeah. like to do a couple other activities, which I have not found people to work with yet on that event. Yeah. I just think it'd be cool. Yeah. And you get everybody to wear pink wigs or pink masks or pink outfits. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. It'd be I've, got, I've got to introduce you to our buddy Chip. Yeah. But <laughs> I will But I will tell you, as being a guy walking around with a bunch of pink on them, it's actually quite funny to see people's reactions. Do, yeah. Do people like, do they stop you and say, hey, what's going on? Do they kind of look at you like, Okay, he's pink head to toe. What's going on? <laughs> well, like, whenever I do the event, everybody just thinks, oh, they say, oh, this is Halloween or breast cancer, whatever. But when I wear pink so much throughout the year, some people's like, so, are you married? I'm uh, like, yes. Why? Yeah. Uh, do you like guys? I'm like, no, I like women. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's I actually think quite people, funny. Well, and you you do. I mean, and uh, you know, and now I'm not up here five days a week, but honestly, since I've seen you up here, I think maybe one time I saw you in a shirt that was not pink, and it was kind of jarring. So I'm like, is that Jeremiah? Wait a second. Was, no, it's just a pink on today because that's kind of your signature color. Because it it can be a conversation starter. It can be a way to talk to people about, um, you know, to get that conversation about breast cancer going. And it and and you know, and I look at breast cancer, and I know we're running out of time, but it, with breast cancer, it's kind of like you know, mental health. Back in the day, nobody wanted to talk about these right. things. You've got to talk about the tough subjects now we've got to be okay 
as men and women to talk about it together because it's the two of us that are going to find solutions, problems, or raise the money to have somebody else find those solutions. And I completely agree. And you know, back in the 20s, uh, men were actually uh, labeled as pink when they were boys. Oh, interesting. If I recall correctly. Oh, and, yeah. You got you to, you got I got to hear more about that after the show. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's quite entertaining. I mean, interesting. The, the thoughts, what people, th- the conception around pink, to me, pink is a strong color. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have no problem wearing it because I'm very confident with everything I do. But the thing is, some people do not know how to take it, as you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I try to be as nice and supply as I can everywhere I go. But the thing is, I, I believe people need to be treated respected with integrity. But no, if y'all can help me in promoting some events next yeah, month, I'd be blessed. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully, I didn't talk to too much today. Some of the members of the crew up there. Oh no, no, this has been this has been great. Because I probably gave you some new terminology that you never thought. Uh, about yeah, all of a sudden, oh, I'm like, oh yeah. Well, we've already got somebody commenting on Care Bears. They want to know about that. So <laughs> you're going to need to go on the Facebook feed for JPK well, broadcasting just, after this. But my whole thing is, I came up with things because there's so many different terminology that is considered negative terms. I'm tired of negative. Yeah. I want things to be more positive. I yeah. want people to have love and feel appreciated. Yeah. Even as somebody being irate and ridiculous and screaming in a grocery store, they need love. They well, might need they might need sunflower power. They might need uh, leprechaun oh, power. No, they so, might need okay so more terms to find out from Jeremiah. <laughs> well, hey, if people want to get in touch with you for your marketing firm, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can reach out to me uh, through my website, okay. osmetmedia.com. Okay. Good deal. Or they can uh, find me up here. And spell Osment for us. Uh, O-Z-M-E-N-T.com. Okay. Media, M-E-D-I-A.com. Perfect. Perfect. So I'm I'm sorry. I just like to always have fun because I come up with new terminology to where it has positive meanings because I'm to get tired of it. Fred says Jeremiahology. So he's already got a name for your terms. Well, just wait till you hear the rest of it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the show today. Yeah. um, So again, you know, as we get ready to kick off Breast Cancer Awareness Month, this is, uh, you know, this is a topic that's near and dear to so many people. Um, More people than you know, you know, um, and and I think because of social media, more people are apt to share their journeys nowadays than they were, say, back, you know, 20 years ago. Um, So if you are wanting to help, you said a week from Tuesday is going to be a a breast cancer fundraiser, a pink out. It's going to be on the second Tuesday of next month. It'll be up here at Metrax. Oh, gotcha. So what date? Well, what date would that be? Let's make sure we get this on the calendar. Uh, So the 12th, October the 12th should be. All right, so October the 12th, come yep. on up here. What time will that be? Like 5? 5.30 to 8. Perfect, 5.30 to 8, free food, free beer, pink out. Everybody wear pink. Who knows what Jeremiah is going to have on? We will find out. <laughs> we will take a picture and put that on the show. But, yeah, but just make sure you um, get out there and, and help folks out. Um, you know, like you said, you just help help your fellow man. Just help those people in your community. I mean, if you can, why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, if you can if you can donate money, time, whatever it is, items, whatever it is, whatever the cause is, um, you know, it's the right thing to do, and especially, especially now during this pandemic. I think people need... We need each other more than ever. We've gotten away from that, and I think we need to come back to it. So, Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah Osment, for your time today, and that's osmentmedia.com. And to the crew, y'all have a blessed week. We've got uh, the lawyer show tomorrow, and then we'll be back on Friday morning. Uh, Then This Pink Cloud, Brian Cuban, will be um, here um, on This Pink Cloud on Friday. So real excited. I think he's talking about his second book now, so very excited about that. Y'all have a blessed day. We'll see you soon. Bye.